0: Let's, let's pray together. Lord, give us grace this morning. Give us grace because every single one of us needs it. And we need you. And we come this morning with many reasons to praise you, even as my own heart overflows with baptizing my daughter, and just thank you for your work in her. Thank you for your work in us, that if we are here and we know Christ, every one of us has stood there in the waters and been baptized, and we have said that our life belongs to Jesus Christ. And so may each of us this morning commit our steps and our days and all we are to Christ by your Spirit, even as we said and professed, and so help us, Lord, we pray. We do indeed come in view of a precious, precious gospel. We rejoice, Lord, that you sought after us, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, under the water, and yet you, by your grace, lifted us out. And gave us new life. We put our faith in Christ as our life and soul and treasure. And so we thank you for your grace towards us. And so help us, Father, this morning as we go to your word. Help us as we dive into it and as it can challenge and indeed should challenge us. Help us as we study it, as we examine it. May your word reveal and expose us, O Lord. And so may we come this morning with hearts open and readied for your word, that by your spirit you would change us and conform us to Christ. Help us, Lord, and stir us and change us and help us to stand firmly upon this precious gospel. Because we will need to. Many will challenge it. Many have challenged it. But we know it's true. And so help us. To take up the exhortation this morning. And so help us father we pray. And we look to you. As those whose souls. Pant for you. The living God. In Jesus name. Amen. If you would. Go ahead and. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. We'll be in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 this, this morning and continuing our walk through this letter. Now there are certain things that we might be willing to give up really without even thinking twice. You know, so if someone comes to you and and asks you, you know, hey, I forgot my pen. Would you mind if I borrow your pen? You know, that is not a big deal, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take my pen. You can have it. <laughs> you know, it's it's yours. Just keep it. No problem. Now, that, of course, is just a pen. Not a big deal, right? But what if they came up to you and they asked, you know, I'm I'm really in need of a gas grill, you know. <laughs> Could I have your gas grill? <laughs> you know, and I mean now at that point it gets a bit harder, right? To say yes. We we might give it to them depending on the reasons for why they want our gas gas grill, but obviously the likelihood goes down quite a bit. Pin versus gas grill. Now let's say let's keep going with this and let's say they asked you "Well, could I have your car?" You know, or your house. All right. <laughs> now that's getting that's getting pretty obvious that the answer is pretty much going to be no. I mean, sometimes we may give a car away. I don't know if I've heard too many people giving away a house, you know, but I guess we somebody out there has probably done that, but it, the likelihood of giving those things away is very, very low. Well, let me go one further. What if they asked you, not for a car, or for a house, but for your children? Can I have your children? No way, <laughs> right? I mean, you, open arms now. You're not taking my children, you know. Absolutely not, is the answer. And so we see there a difference. And let me just give one last one. What about this? Would you give up the gospel? Would you give up the gospel? Now, here, as you answer, remember, you might have to not just kind of, if you, if you say no, that means something, it means then that you will not just kind of have to stand by, perhaps even like your children, you're going to have to fight, you're going to have to contend for it, and honestly, it, it will even mean that you might have to think really, really hard As you look in church history, some of those who have come and challenged the gospel has required of the church the most fervent and most diligent of thought on every single level. And so it may require that of you. And it may mean that you just have to stand alone. There have been many throughout history when a heresy has arisen, they have just stood alone and said, This is false. Even as people in the church are saying, I don't think it's that bad. You know, they're like, No, the gospel is at stake. I think of Athanasius, who stood against Arius as he challenged the deity of Christ. And they had a saying of an Athanasius against the world. Because that's what he had to do. Now as we kind of ask these questions, all of this is mostly hypothetical. And I say mostly, but don't get me wrong there. We are being challenged in this today as well. (laughs) Many people are out there challenging the gospel But in this scenario, these are hypothetical. But let me just say that all this wasn't hypothetical for Paul. Not at all. The gospel was really and truly and urgently at stake. It was under a real threat because of very real false teachers. And so the question then, hanging over our verses this morning is this will the gospel be lost will it be given up forever no small question and so it is that we come to our verses this morning so let's see this beginning there in verse 1 may the lord may the lord be heard this morning at the reading of his word Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be reserved for you. And from those, verse 6, from those who seem to be influential, what they more makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been tr- entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles, And when James and Cephas and John who seemed to be pillars perceived the grace that was given to me they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor the very thing that I was eager to do. do. And so far As we have been kind of walking through this letter, we have seen that this letter is a rather personal letter, isn't it? (laughs) From Paul. It began in chapter 1 with Paul, his impassioned rebuke, and even his plea to the Galatians there. In Galatians 1.6, he said, I am astonished. That you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I mean, you just hear the urgency from Paul. And so in these opening chapters, we see the depth of his gospel conviction. He is is not a mild kind of hat, knotter, you know, kind of follower of Jesus Christ. He is all In Christ is everything to me and I will lose everything for Him I count everything as rubbish compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord that's Paul Philippians 3 but he wasn't always like that was he (laughs) he was zealous in the opposite direction zealously persecuting Christians And not in a mild way. He sought the extermination of the church. That the name of Jesus would not continue. But by the grace of God, He was changed by Christ forever. And He was appointed by Christ Himself to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And that is what He would do. He would fulfill the charge that God had given Him by God himself, the charge that God himself had given him. And so here in these verses then, in verses 1 through 9, we see Paul is contending. And we see also here our own call to unyieldingly contend for the undiluted gospel, for the pure, the true gospel, The real gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see this really exemplified everywhere in these verses. And what do we see? We see they will not yield. Praise God. (laughs) And so this includes Paul. But also the other apostles listed there in verse 9. So James... Cephas or Peter, as we know him, or John as well there. And they would not yield. And so what would they not yield to? (laughs) You know, begs the question, what were they not yielding to? Now before I answer that directly, let me back up here a bit. Let's look at these first verses here. Paul, he tells us that after 14 years, so likely 14 years since he came to faith in Christ, He now went up to Jerusalem a second time. And so throughout this time since his conversion he is going and proclaiming Jesus Christ to anyone and to everyone he can while only seeing really Peter and James for 15 days. So Galatians 1.18 we saw that there. So what in the world is the point of that? Why is he telling you that? These are good questions we want to ask as we We kind of study our Bibles. We think through what it's saying here. You know, there's a lot in these verses to bring out. And so why does he say all this stuff? Well, the point that Paul is making is that his gospel was not dependent on the other apostles at all. He wasn't needing their endorsement for his gospel to be the gospel. That's his point he had received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Galatians 1.12. And so the Judaizers, they're there. These guys who are saying, well, Jesus isn't enough. They're sitting here, you know, charging Paul with all these things. Ah, just claiming to be an apostle. Who are you? You're just, you're just trying to please people. You're taking things away. They need to keep the law and to be circumcised too. And So it's no small matter that Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus showed me and revealed the gospel to me himself, Period. Amen. And so he goes up to Jerusalem, having Barnabas and Titus with him. Now... That's not kind of just merely an aside here. He's like, oh yeah, I had these guys with me. You might just want to, you know, just know that. That's not what he's doing. Barnabas, or the son of encouragement, he was a Levite from Cyprus. Okay. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, in other words, he was a circumcised Jew. Judaizers, no problem with him. (laughs) But who else did he have with him? Titus. He was a converted Greek. In other words, he was an uncircumcised Jew. And here is where the rub comes in. In the eyes of the Judaizers, this was a big problem. It was unacceptable. Jew or Greek, it was to be this Jesus plus circumcision plus the law equals saved. Kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> equals, you do all that, now you are a descendant of Abraham. You are a child of God. And that was all false. Now, all that may not make a lot of sense to us. Why were they saying that? Why was that a big deal? You know what I mean? Today, we're just like, yeah, that's obvious. You don't add circumcision. You don't add Old Testament law. It is just Jesus. So why were they saying this? They were saying this because in the Old Testament, circumcision was an outward sign that a person was part of the people of God. It was an introductory act into the covenant community of Israel. And if you want to look up all this, you can go to Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through 14. And so in other words, if you were ethnically a child of Abraham, you would need to be physically circumcised. But there's a problem with that. Under the new covenant, as Mike Read a moment ago from Colossians 2 8 through 15. All who are in Christ have been circumcised, not like physically, but they have been circumcised through the death of Christ. Christ is our circumcision. And so if you are in Christ, you're part of the people of God, Jew or Gentile. This is why Paul will say way later here in Galatians three twenty nine, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. And so praise the Lord! Indeed, they stood fast, and they refused to circumcise Titus. They would not budge. They would not flinch. They would not yield for even one moment on this point. Christ is enough. Period. You don't add anything to Jesus. You don't subtract anything from Jesus. It is only Jesus and Jesus alone that saves. He is enough. And so they clung to the one and the only gospel. Now, as we're reading this, Paul might sound a bit strange here. What do do I mean here? Well, he might sound kind of punchy. So he says there that in verse 2 and verse 6 that he met privately with those who seemed influential. Or, you know, verse 6, the influential added nothing to him. Well, how is that punchy? Well, he's talking about the other apostles. <laughs> That's kind of, that sounds punchy, doesn't it? They added nothing to me. <laughs> Those guys who seem influential. Wow, okay, Paul. What are you doing right there? <laughs> but he's not, he's not. He's not just kind of being kind of mean about this. This is something that mattered a lot. He respects the other apostles and he respects the role, but he's making clear at every turn that his gospel is not dependent on any man, which is what the Judaizers are claiming. And so he can't just kind of back away from this. He has to go all in and say, no, they seem influential, but the gospel I have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been preaching it for 14 years without talking to them at all except for 15 days. His gospel was given by Christ. And so Paul needs to meet here with the other apostles to make sure not that his gospel is correct, but that they're not buying into these false teachers' claims about Paul. You know, they're hearing all these things about Paul and from the Judaizers. And he needs to make sure that the other apostles, they weren't going around kind of saying, oh yeah, you're right, Judaizers. That Paul guy is off his rocker. You <laughs> know If they did that, that would be running in vain. He is out there preaching for 14 years. And then they say, oh, no, don't listen to Paul. And so the $1 million question here is how will they respond to Paul? Will they reject him or will they receive him? Paul, he has a ministry to the uncircumcised, to Gentiles, verse 7 and 8. And Peter, he has his ministry to the circumcised or to Jews. And so are there, are there two different Gospels? And the answer we see here is this. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so what do they do? Verse 9, they gladly receive Paul as a fellow proclaimer of the one and only gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we see unequivocally that this gospel then is for all people everywhere. Jew or Gentile, it is Christ who saves. One and all, it is Christ who saves. There is not one way for the Jew and another for the Gentile. It is Christ and Christ alone. And so friends, as we hear all this, as we see Paul contending for the Gospel, let me urge you, do not give up the Gospel for anything. Do not give up the Gospel for anything. Throughout Jewish history, if you think... This may not be happening again throughout church history. This has been the case again and again. We have been challenged on this point, and we are being challenged today as well. Just tweak it just a tiny bit, would you? Do we really have to to believe all of this? I mean, yeah, Jesus is good and all. I think it was more like just a historical figure, you know, The resurrection, I don't know if it really happened, but it it inspires you, right? You can be a better person. No, my goodness, no. Those are lies and false. And what does Paul call them here? Verse four. False brothers false brothers will arise. There are those who claim that they follow Christ and they don't. Maybe here right now. Maybe you. Paul isn't leaving that off. He wants you and I to consider are we perhaps clinging to a gospel that we have made up? And if you think this is disconnected from today, friends, this struggle comes at us every day anew with legalism. Trying to gain favor with God by what you do. Have you been doing that? I've got to keep all these things before God accepts me. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus Christ. You just look to him and you are his forever. Not adding, isn't that freedom? This is the freedom Paul is talking about here. And the Judaizers want to enslave us to something else? No way! Jesus and Jesus alone. So do not give it up whether it be the world, the devil, sin, persecution, even the whole world rising against you, do not give up the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Hold fast to the Word of God. Hold fast to the Gospel. Hold fast to Christ. Jesus has done all the heavy lifting for us. It's not how much you do. It is about what He has done, period. And to give this up and to preach something else would not be another denomination. It would be damnation, it would be chains, and it would be slavery and hell forever. So let me urge you now while we are here, comfortable in these walls, within these walls, perhaps not feeling the pressure... Of maybe there's a different interpretation. Maybe we just need to tweak it a tiny bit. Don't give it up. Don't give it up if your daughter or your son comes to you one day and says, you know, I found a new way. Or I've I'm now homosexual or LGBTQ. Friends. If you give up the gospel at that point, you're not offering your children freedom. You're offering them slavery. So we cannot and must not tweak the gospel. Let me say this. As you unflinchingly do not give up the gospel for anything, at the same time, I want to... Really emphasize this as well. Yes, fight with all you are. But make sure that you're contending a right. Contend a right. Paul, he is most certainly bold here, and he is bold because the gospel is at stake. And this is why he writes in verse 5 there To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment. Because if they had, what does it say? So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. I'm not going to give it up, not even for a second. For you, for the future generations, for your children. And for the nations to come. And so that's right. We need to do that. However, let me warn you here. We need to be careful that we aren't lifting to the height of the gospel our own opinions and our own preferences and then we go about telling everyone, see how I stood upon the gospel. No. (laughs) That is just another version of the Judaizers. Be careful that you are not walking in the same spirit of these people here. Yes, do not yield the gospel, but don't leave here this morning thinking that this means you need to go and fight everyone who looks at you funny. We need a category, perhaps more than ever today, for humble, gracious, biblical, and theological dialogue with one another. Yes, stand and stand firmly upon the Gospel. Stand firmly upon the Trinity. Stand firmly upon the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. Stand firmly upon the authority and the inerrancy of Scripture. Stand firmly upon justification by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone. Contend for those things, but see that disagreeing over someone's view of the millennium is not the same as disagreeing over the trinity these major doctrines are different from your views on worship style carpet color tv or no tv coffee or no coffee you know video games or no video games and so on every disagreement that we have is not tantamount to heresy. In other words, there's a difference between you know, giving away a pen and giving away your child, you know? And so, yes, may we not at all give an inch of the gospel away, but may we also hear the words of, the, of our dear brother and friend, Herschel York, Megan and I, our dear brother and friend, he said this, theological debate with respect is a healthy thing. Theological debate with contempt is a fleshly thing. And theological debate with pride is a devilish thing. So yes, I want to know the word of God. I want to be faithful to what God's word says. And so, yes, let's work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Let's do that with a great deal of humility and love as those who are following who? Jesus Christ. So let's contend the right, brothers and sisters, as those who are representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords before the world how sad it is that many today are using social media to walk in a manner unworthy of Christ. And so I urge us, may we walk as lights in the world church. So yes, contend for the gospel. I have had personally to contend for the gospel. I've had to contend for inerrancy. I've had to contend for justification by faith alone in Christ alone. But let's contend to write. How sorely we need believers willing to walk in the same manner as Christ walked. We need those who are sold out for Christ, who humbled themselves to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so let's examine ourselves this morning in this way. Let's contend for the gospel. And let's contend to write. Yet as you, all you take all this in and all these verses, verses 1 through 9, verse 10 here, it might seem out of place. <laughs> you know. All right? We need to contend And make a stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ and care for the poor. (laughs) You see what I mean? Where does that come from? But it's not out of place. This last exhortation is exactly where it needs to be. And the exhortation is this remember those in need, remember those in need. And so, this exhortation that Paul gives here, it was likely given with Jewish believers expressly in mind here. You're like, okay, <laughs> so what? <laughs> what does that matter? Well, as Paul goes on his ministry and he goes out declaring the gospel to the Gentiles, they're telling Paul, they're saying, remember what we have just been doing and what we've all been agreeing to. This is a gospel for everyone, for Jew and Gentile alike. And so Paul, remember the Jews as you go out proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles. Don't forget being balanced and sharing and giving for the sake of the gospel, Jew and Gentile alike. So Jew and Gentile alike are united around this one gospel. And so even more, to contend and preach the gospel so fervently to the lost and to the sinner and to the broken, and then to turn around and say, oh well, to all of you who are suffering and who are in need, that's just not our job. <laughs> I don't see that in my gospel proclamation commission. Well, to see here that that goes against the very grain of the gospel itself because the gospel is for the poor and the needy. That's who you were. If you are sitting in a pew today and you know Christ, you are the poor and needy. Well, Jesus, He came for such as these. The gospel is for the messy. It is for the broken. It is for the lost. It is for those in need of hope and in need of God in the world. Thank you, Lord. And if at this point you're thinking, anticlimactic, if we think this is peripheral, I want us to remember what Jesus will say to his sheep in Matthew chapter 25 when he comes let's hear his words Matthew 25 34 through 40 he says come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you welcomed me I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Amen. Does it seem like a small thing <laughs> to Jesus? Now if we're here and you're still not convinced, let's read on in Matthew 25. What does he say then to the goats? So those who don't know him yet they claim perhaps that they do know him twenty five forty one he says this: Depart from me. He may say that to you? Depart from me, you cursed into, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels." I was hungry and you gave me no food I was thirsty and you gave me no drink I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me and then they will also answer him saying Lord when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison And did not minister to you, and then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Doesn't sound like a small thing. He's not saying, Oh, you need me, but. Plus, care for the poor. And then you're safe. He's not saying that. He's saying those who know Jesus Christ, if you know him truly from the heart, then you will do these things. These are flowing out from you. As a person, as Titus says, who is zealous for good works, Christ had showed me grace as the least of these, and I can't but go and show grace and proclaim this gospel of grace to the least of these also. This church is to be a church for the least of these. And so in view of this gospel that we so contend for, may we also give in a way fitting to the God who graciously gives to us. All you have, you have because he has given it to you. Every single thing. Just think about that. There's there's an ounce of pride in your heart right now because of your education, because of your car, because of your savings account, because of your house, because of how many vacations you've taken or something else. Every single thing you have, God has given to you that you may use it for his glory. Are you? Question mark. Paul, he says to the Athenians in the Areopagus in Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Even more, if you know Christ, that's because of him also. Grace. And so, in view of the gospel, remember those in need, saints. It is my prayer that at Haven, may we be known for being a church for the downcast, for the needy, for the destitute, because the gospel is for such as these. And so may our hands be open and share materially, and may our mouths be open and share Christ with all. May it not be like I heard from one church member years ago, As he looked at a trailer park full of druggies and people who are destitute and needy, he said, oh, we don't want any of those in our church. They can stay right where they are. May that not be us. So regardless of who we are, rich or poor, known or unknown, if you're a child here or you're an adult We come as one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. So I want to spur you on this morning to take hold of these verses, church. This passage and receive and declare the gospel worth contending for. This beggar pleads with you this morning that if you are here and you're hearing all of this, yet you don't know Christ You hear these words and you hear our passion for the gospel and yet you go away still lost still needy, still in need of the Savior. You have missed the message this morning. We would have you also. Christ would have you also. This gospel is for you. If you feel like a sinner, it's because you are. And Jesus says, No, no, don't go and fix yourself. Just come to me, and you'll be mine forever. I will change you and transform you, and you will be mine forever. And so this gospel is for you, sinners. It's all true, and this is why it is worth contending for. So if you don't know him this morning... Will you believe? Will you believe? Will you trust in Christ as the one who came to save the beggar, came to save the Jew, came to save the Gentile, came to save you? Let's pray. Father, as we come right now and we each pray with our heads bowed and we seek you right now, may we just come with our hands open. I don't know where each person here is right now. They may be struggling with something. They may be struggling with sin. They may be struggling with even what we've heard this morning, contending with the gospel or for the gospel. They may have seen that they have added to the gospel. May we see even now that they are the one who is the poor and the needy one, the sinner in need of the Savior. We pray, Father, and we pray collectively that you would work in our hearts. Help us, Father, to respond to your word as we stand before a world that is desperately in need of the gospel, may we contend for it, may we come and share the gospel with open hands to any and to all, the poor and the needy. May we respond this morning. It may well be that God is saying, well, you have this thing you need to do. You have this sin you need to repent of. You have this you need to give. You have this person you need to help. You have the call to be baptized, even as we saw this morning, call to membership, call to trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray, Father, that you would be with each person here, that they may respond to your word this morning. If they're here and don't know you, may they put their faith in you. To so stand here, whether that means to stand in the front, as if that means is simply they pray there in their seat or coming forward or praying at these steps or coming and talking to me afterwards. May they do that. May we respond, Father, to your word this morning. Being not just hearers, but doers of your word, we pray. Help us, Father. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.